0: Greetings, in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus, again this day, it's good to see all of you, appreciated the things we've been hearing, I would have to say that uh, the appetizer and the main meal are going to be very similar today, my message is... uh, very, very similar to what Neil already shared, and uh, obviously God wants us to hear that today. Uh, we are in Ephesians chapter 2, and um, so, yeah, I guess God knows all those things, and for some reason He wants us to hear a bit about the whole subject of salvation. Uh, if you'll notice here in Ephesians 2, the first three verses state, I'm going to say the worst condition of mankind. And then the next number of verses, about four or five verses, state the best condition of mankind and so we're going to uh, we're going to be looking at um, the first ten verses here of chapter two actually and I've titled the the message from the worst to the best state of mankind of man The picture that we have here in uh, the first several verses here, and maybe we should just read the first uh, three verses to begin. He's, Paul begins this chapter by saying, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Maybe we could stand and have a word of prayer before we uh, continue our God, our Father, we are grateful this morning again for the freedom and privilege we have to gather here and to uh, be encouraged and exhorted in the things of Christ. Today again, thank you for what we've heard already, and I ask that your Spirit would take those words and penetrate our hearts. Father, we do choose To open our hearts to you, for we see it as a very dangerous matter. To close our hearts to truth, realizing that we can close our hearts to a point where truth will never penetrate again. And God, does, you do give us opportunity. And uh, as your word says, your spirit does not always strive with men. There comes a point where as we harden our hearts against your truth, you go find someone else who will hear. And so today we just pray again that as you know and understand each one in this room, we pray that your word would be a, a, a living word, bringing life of in exchange for the death that the natural man lives in. And Father, that we could truly live in the life of Jesus So we ask a blessing, Father, on each one present here this morning. We ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would again give understanding and give utterance, bring to mind the things that you would have me to say, Lord, and uh, help me to overlook the things that are not profitable to this message, Lord. So again, we commit our time to you. bless each one, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as we stated, this uh, these few verses depict the worst state of men. And uh, we also notice that in verse one, Paul makes a comment here. He says, "And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins." Now, when Paul is relating these words, he is actually relating them as a past. In a past tense, this was, you know, this was once their experience and as Brother Neil showed us this morning, this was once all of our experience, you know, some to a greater or lesser degree, but nevertheless, all of us find that there is within us, as verse 3 says there, the lusts of our flesh and the desires of our flesh and of our mind. Those are things that all of us reckon with. It's a part of us. And, uh, you know, it really doesn't matter so much what degree we give ourselves to it, we all find ourselves with it. And for some, our parents have, God has been gracious to us and blessed us with parents who have dealt with that in many aspects, and that has been helpful. Others have not had that privilege and they find themselves given over to the lusts of their flesh and the desires of the flesh and of the mind and find themselves in incredible difficult places to ever get out of the mess that they made of life. And there are the multitudes in this world that uh, are going down that path. And unfortunately, there's a, a whole multitude in this world that are leading the growing generation down that path. Isn't that interesting? You know, you have adult men, full grown men, old men, supposed to be wise men, on television, on the internet, on who knows what, and they're leading the young, growing generation down a path of wickedness, down a path of the lust of their flesh, down a path of the lust of their mind, and all those kind of things. And they, and they train the next generation into the pit. But that's the world we live in. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in. But here we have the worst state of mankind. According to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Brother Neil said the devil is the one who holds his, is the gateway to hell. And I would dare to say that I believe his analysis is right. The scripture says here that uh, he is the prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. And he is the one who has, as we said in the last message, has put this, he has this world on a course. And uh, that is, that is a deplorable state of mankind, isn't it? But uh, we know that is, that is where it's at. Um. And as we said, you know, we can focus on the out there, but all of us know that to some degree we have this very potential right within our own hearts. And, uh, as children growing up, we don't, we're not too old until we realize that there is, there's a conflict within us. We know what, uh, you know, we're being taught and we, we understand what, uh, you know, is, is right in things and yet there's this conflict of, uh, nature and a wanting to do the wrong and a curiosity about the wrong and a, and a experimenting with the wrong and all those kind of things that go on in the hearts of children as they are growing up. And right here it is. It's the course of this world at work. It's uh you know, it, it's suggestive suggestions come from all directions to the growing up generation to experiment with their flesh and its desires and its lusts and its whatnots and And there you are. <clears throat> but uh, God doesn't leave us there. Um, Maybe maybe before we go on to the solution, let's just consider a few more things. The uh, As verse 3 says there, had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You know, the devil, as he is described there in verse 2, he finds his base... Of operation, he makes his base of operation the lusts of our flesh. Uh, one of his bases of operation, there's actually three, uh, that are given in 1st John there the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Satan uses those three premises to, uh, to, as his launching pad in our lives to try to deceive us into his his uh his uh yeah deceivers into the path to hell really uh, it's nothing short of that he attempted all three of those on christ when he tempted jesus he uh tempted him with the the uh the physical appetite he tempted him with food he tempted him uh with uh the uh possessions the appetite or yeah the desire to possess he showed him all the kingdoms of the world told him that he would give them to him he tempted him with the desire of position which is to be someone great he told, took him up to the top of the temple told him if you cast yourself down you won't be hurt guess what would have happened if he'd have done it he'd have had the crowds gazing in awe at a man who could who could fall from the top of a temple and not hurt himself this must be a god in fact just like, remember how, what the response was when Peter shook off that venomous beast and uh, because they, they thought he was going to die because this venomous beast was on him and nothing happened and after a while they decided, well, if they, they thought he was a, a, a wicked man and, and vengeance didn't suffer him to live so this venomous beast was going to kill him and then he didn't die and then they decided he's a he's a he's some sort of a hero or whatever, I forget their wording there, but there he gives us an example. Satan tempted Christ in all three of those areas, which is his normal launching pad in human experience, in human lives. He'll try to get us with all the various appetites that our flesh have. Those, those things are designed by God. They have a purpose in life. Uh, they have an intent. They're beautiful in their place. But you, st- you, uh, you listen to the voice of Satan and you abuse that which God has intended for good, and you set yourself on a course to hell. Uh, there's, that's all the devil has in mind. He, ha- he has nothing else in mind but uh, that in the end he has you in hell. That's his destiny, that's his goal. Uh, there's, there, he, he's, you know, he makes no apologies about it, and we won't either. That is where he's going with his followers. we have the uh, we have the uh the lust for possessions you know in uh passion possession position lust of the eyes the desire for the things that we can see the desire for the tangible um you know we live in a place where that is a very very viable temptation with all the things that are at our at our fingertips and uh satan makes good use of them but it's it's one of his uh, launching pads in our lives just getting us caught in the things of this world the tangible and always going for the next thing always that next goal always that next uh, pursuit always that next thing that that we might be able to he might be able to fill our hearts with and of course we have the whole thing of position which uh the pride of life, being someone popular, being someone important, uh, being recognized, uh, you know, having your name on the top of the roll, you know, whatever. Uh, those are the various aspects that the devil uses to, uh, to, uh, to lead people down his road. <clears throat> the Bible describes it as the course of this world and, uh, and the uh, the concluding statement there in verse 3, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You know, I'm not sure. You know, when we think about children, we think about God's children. But this says children of wrath. I guess it must mean the devil's children because uh, it certainly is nothing to do with God's children. But, verse 4. But God is rich in mercy. Who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, in his kindness toward us by Christ Jesus. You know, that, that, um, that scripture depicts, that we just read there in the top, depicts the worst state of mankind, but, you know, it's for those kind of people that God sent his son. It's for the worst Of sinners that God sent His Son, and you know we say that because it, it, it includes everyone else in between. But you know, there's, 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 uh, you know, it's the incredible mercy of God. But there's no per se, there's no sin that a, a sinner can commit that God cannot, will not forgive if he repents. Uh, scripture does speak about blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, but I would. Well, I was going to say I would tend to think that is something that a believer may do quicker than than an unbeliever because they never have the Holy Ghost. And yet, if the Holy Ghost is speaking and they keep... Actually, yeah. I've heard of cases where the Holy Spirit was speaking and drawing on hearts. Drawing on a heart and the guy actually cursed the Spirit and told him to leave. He knew who it was. He knew what the Spirit wanted him to do cursed the spirit and told him to leave and never come back again and and in fact died knowing that he was going to hell and knowing there was no repentance anymore. So, there is there is that place where men can cross a line that God, I guess I'm going to say, will honor their word. Uh, I believe there's also a place where men do things foolishly And God has mercy on them. And men can always seek God in repentance. Uh, But there is, there does seem to be a place where a man hards his heart to such a degree, knows what he's doing, in such outright stubbornness, curses God in his spirit and actually spurns his last opportunity for salvation. But... We do want to notice that uh, it is for these kind of situations that uh, or it's to this kind of a human race and to this kind of a condition that God sent his son. To be the savior for this kind of a of a of a world, for this kind of of a of a human race. God's response, we could say, to the worst state of man. God responded in love. As it says here, his great love wherewith he loved us. God, uh, you know, there's, there's scriptures that talk about God's, uh, attitude or feeling toward the wicked. And those, you know, some scriptures give some pretty stiff words. But God in general declares a love for the lost mankind. Uh, he, he, uh, he has, he has, uh, he has a heart to see men saved. He has a heart to, to help men out of their dilemma. And uh, and that's in fact what he did when he sent Jesus. He, he sent his son to help men out of their dilemma. It says here that God who is rich in mercy. You know, mercy, you know, obviously, when we think about mercy, I, I looked up the... Uh, the Webster's uh, Dictionary Definition. And it, it, I'll just read it here. It says, the, "...it's that benevolence or mildness or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. It's, that di- it's the disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries." and to forbear punishments or inflict less than law or justice would warrant. And so we know quite well that we did not get what we deserved as as sinful mankind. We did not get what we deserved. If we would have gotten what we would have deserved, we would have gotten what Sodom and Gomorrah got. You know, we'd have been destroyed with hellfire and brimstone. If we would have gotten what we deserved, we would have gotten what the first world got. A flood that wiped them all out. But God, in His great love, sent His Son with a plan to help us out rather than to destroy us. And, uh, you know, it's not that God didn't destroy some in, in generations past, which we already mentioned. But in this case, God responded in mercy. And sent his son to make a way for us to uh, to uh, be rescued out of our situation. Provided a way out of the mess that we had made. And as we notice here, again in verse 5, he says, "...even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ." The word quickened shows up there, or let's uh, notice both words. The words dead and quickened. Notice those words also showed up in verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead. So there we have the, uh, the worst state of mankind and the best state. We have them dead in trespasses and in sins, and we have them quickened, they're made alive again in Christ. And that is the, that is the, uh, the picture of, uh, salvation right there. It, uh, we, they were dead in sins, but they had been quickened. They were made alive again. Uh, notice in, in, uh, Well, yeah, in verse 6 it says that he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. He's basically, we have a picture of going from sitting in the gutter or maybe even in a sewage gutter to sitting on a king's throne. You know, picture the vast difference. You know, if you've never been in a third world country where there's sewage gutters, uh, there's places where it's pretty ugly, but that is a picture of where you'd be sitting in one of those gutters, is a picture of sitting in sin, dead in sin, trespasses and sins, and you get taken out of there, you get cleaned up, you get fresh, clean clothing on, you get a bath, you get everything else, and you get seated in a th- king's p- uh, throne, you know, one elaborate, uh, uh, most elaborate chair you could ever imagine. That's kind of the picture that we have here of... Uh, You were dead and you're made alive again. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but you have been quickened. You've been, uh, raised up. You've been, you've, you're now sitting in heavenly places. And, uh, he is talking to believers who this is already their experience. He is not necessarily inviting them to this. He's actually talking to them and explaining, uh, giving definition to their faith. And that's one of the uh, interesting points. You know, uh, God, in salvation, God didn't just, you know, His Son didn't just die to shed His blood so that men would have forgiveness for their sins that they commit. He died so that they could live again. He died and gave His life so that they could be raised up new creatures. Uh, A gospel that does not raise up a person to a new life is not a true gospel. A gospel that leaves a person sitting in a place of continual sin is not a true gospel. Because if you're in continual sin, you're still dead in your sins. And a believer is made alive in Christ. It's a new life. He has the life of Christ now within him. He has been raised up. He's been taken out of the gutter and he has now been given a, 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 a king's throne to sit upon. He's been seated in the heavenlies with Christ as this uh, verse uh, says here that uh, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. And as it says here in, uh, in verse... Uh, 8 for by grace are ye saved through faith and let's just notice that faith you know in verse 13 of chapter 1 Paul is is uh, saying to them in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth you know by grace ye are saved through faith they heard the word of truth and they responded to the word of truth in faith and that faith in a sense, activated the salvation experience and process in their lives. And so they are saved by grace. It's God. You know, it's all right there. It's waiting for whoever will partake of it. It's waiting to be activated in anyone's life. But, but the, there has to be a response of faith to it. Or it, you know, it's, 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 it just won't go anywhere. Uh, and so they heard the message. They responded in faith and salvation you know, it, it took place. It, it, uh, the new life. They, they, they experienced the new life in Christ and uh, became a new creature. And it's a gift from God. It, it is, uh, it's, it's there for whosoever will. It's there for anyone who will hear the message and believe it and receive it. It's not something that we can do in our own how can a dead being give life to itself? It can't. And so there's, you know, we're all done. We've got to get life somewhere outside of us. And it's it's Christ. It's in Christ. And it's faith in Him. And in His shed blood. That uh, the life of Christ enters in. And uh, makes us a new creature. As it says here in... Um, In verse 9, not of works lest any man should boast, you know, if we, if we would have the ability to do it ourselves, we'd, you know, we'd be boastful. We'd have something to boast about. But the bottom line is, none of us, you know, the, the, uh, we all have to come to the same place. The, The ground is level. There's, there's just, there's only one solution for us. And, uh, we all have to come to that same place and we have no, you know, I have nothing to boast of in my salvation over another brother here or another sister because we all got it at the same place. We all found it at the feet of Jesus. And there's nothing uh, we can boast about. It was uh, the grace and mercy of God that made it available to us. And we responded when we heard the word. He goes on then in verse 10, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus... Unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, we are His workmanship. Again, as we think about the the life of Christ being, uh, you know, being a a part of us, uh, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, we are made a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. And, uh, you know, God intends to make us new. You know, it, God doesn't apologize about the fact that He intends that the believer becomes a new person. They become recreated. They become created in Christ. And I would probably, think, I think it's safe to say that that is a, you know, it's something that, it's definitely a lifelong uh, uh, experience that uh, a believer experiences in Christ, but I also, you know, depending on what for uh, situation you 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 know come from, uh, how deep in sin and various things one may have found themselves, the the uh, the change or the radical, um, uh, uh, yeah, out of one pit onto a throne is is quite a quite a uh, recreation. A, a change of person and needs to be to become like Christ so God has a continuing work that he wants to do and I just like to uh, we like to talk about that a bit more but I would like to again make note of the fact that uh, it says here which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them Speaking of, I believe there, the good works that we are created, that are created within us as Christ lives in us. You know, again, God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And again, if you remember, uh, we talked about some of these words in this uh, book about, you know, from, you know, before uh, the foundation of the world, uh, different phrases like that. You know, God had, uh, God had determined from eternity past, you know, what this Christian life's going to be like. God had determined what the believer who believes in Christ, what his, how that, how that gospel is going to affect his life, how it's going to change his life, what the outcome of it is going to be. God had determined all of that from eternity past. And, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the door is open to whosoever will come and drink of the water of life freely. And uh, the result can be, should be, the same in every believer's life where he is made a new creature, where he is uh, created uh, in Christ Jesus, uh, where uh, where he is... Uh, yeah, uh, you know, God didn't, like I said, God didn't just save us to, in order to uh, forgive us our sins, but He he's, He He delivered us from death into life. And the two are totally opposing uh, forces. And uh, if we claim the life of Christ within us, then our life must bear the fruit that would evidence that, that claim. And God has determined that it would be that way. Uh, So today, we find ourselves, I trust most of us find ourselves that we can hear these words just the same way the Ephesian church did. That we can hear it in the past tense. That these things have, in fact, taken place in our lives. That we have been, you know, we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. We have heard the message. And we have believed. And we have been the recipients of that new life that Christ has given us and made available to us. That we are, in fact, you know, living in that present reality. There's, of course, the possibility that there's those here that are not living in that present reality. And the invitation stands open. As uh, was mentioned in the opening, today if you hear the voice of the Lord, harden not your heart. If you hear God's Spirit prompting and inviting you to pass from death unto life, From the gutter to the throne, don't harden your heart. Hear the voice of God. The invitation is open. And it's only your will that stands between you or between your position in the gutter and your position on a king's throne. But, seeing the difference between the, you know, the worst state of man and the best. Is it always easy to live in the reality of life in Christ? Is it always easy to live in the reality of uh, the new life? And uh, to live where we know God wants us to live? Is it always easy? Do we find ourselves at times... Or maybe let me say this, does the devil leave us there unhindered, unmolested? Does he allow us to uh, enjoy the life of Christ, to live with that life within? Or does he still endeavor some way to uh, draw us back into the gutter, into sin, to deceive us and down his road? I think we would all have to agree that... Uh, the devil has no plan to leave us alone as long as he has uh, as long as he doesn't have that great big chain that revelation speaks of put around him and thrown in the pit. <clears throat> he has no intent of leaving us alone. He, uh, he still endeavors to, even though we've been made new in Christ and we have the life of Christ within, he is still endeavors to uh, somehow trick us, deceive us. You know, obviously he has to use deception because if we knew clearly the end of the matter, we wouldn't go there. You know, we wouldn't listen to him. So he has to use deception to somehow get us to believe something that isn't real, something that isn't true, uh, in order to... Uh, trick a response out of us and I'm sure there's times we've found ourselves in a place where we realize he's succeeded in uh, you know think about it again we think of those three areas there are passions possessions positions uh, lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life the um, the areas that he uses mostly or the uh, areas that he What's his base of operation, uh, uh, platform of operation? You know, like we said earlier, our passions, that the desires, the various different levels of desire that our physical bodies have, it was all created by God. It's only the devil who has, uh, who has taken it and uh, made such a mess of it, made people make such a mess of it, uh, to the point where, uh, yeah, people uh, at times almost were act worse than animals. So Satan, you know, Satan still has the same goal that he had when he tempted Eve in the garden. He still tries to make us believe that God is keeping us Rest, uh, holding something good. Withholding something good from us. That was his tactic with Eve. You know, he got her convinced that what God had withheld from her was in fact good for her. And that if she would partake of it, she would benefit. And that is exactly the premise that the devil works on. Uh, to, to try to convince us that... Uh, you know, something good is being withheld from us. And unfortunately, it's pretty easy to fall for his trap. But there's a lot of areas that we could think about. You know, when we think about, obviously, uh, let, let, let's just, when we think about passions, there is, there is a pure side of all passions. All passions can be contained in purity. Of course, the devil... Is the one who's going to try to to divert us to uh, a path of impurity, but all passions that God has designed and created us with can be held and contained uh, within within uh, a mean a, a boundaries of purity. Um, whether it's our you know appetites for food, you know we can. Uh, there's a place of uh, of uh, eating properly and uh, um you know eating for the uh, nourishment and strength's sake versus uh, gorging ourselves and eating for pleasure's sake and and indulging or you know uh you know all of us have certain responses to life and sometimes when days are going difficult people uh diverge to food you know and and uh, just various ways like that. We have to be careful that uh, that uh, as we go through life, we're walking a life of faith and not a life of, uh, uh, you know, faith in God and not a life of just, uh, yeah, letting our passions drive us because the devil can very quickly get a foothold in our lives in those things. You know, think about... Uh, you know, God has a plan for every one of our lives. And uh, God's plan is purity on all levels. And it's the only way to live a fulfilling life. Is to live in purity on all levels. Whether it's, uh, you know, just think about all the things. Think about our ears, you know, we hear things, you know. Uh, we listen to music. Music could be an example, but you also listen to, you can listen to uh, talk shows, you can listen to, you listen to all sorts of things. But God's design is that everything that we would listen to would be, uh, um, it would be, it would be pure, obviously, but it would be, it would be, um, Feeding or, or nurturing us in purity, not in impurity; in holiness, not in unholiness. Uh, so we, you know, we have our we have our eyes. You know, God would God. You know, we can, can we can possess our eyes in purity, and that is God's will. That is the way of life. Uh, what we look at. Uh, it's God's will that we possess our eyes in purity. It's God's will that we possess our ears in purity. In, uh, that the things we listen to, the things we look at are all, they're God honoring. They're, they're pure. They're, you know, there's things that are neither here nor there, such as, a, an owner's manual for my tractor. You know, that's, you know, that's not impure nor pure in a sense. It's obvious, you know, it's just simply an owner's manual for a tractor. There's things that are Clearly deviant, and there's things that are clearly spiritual in nature. And then there's, of course, the in-betweens that, uh, you know, you know, we understand there's, but think about it. In all these various levels, again, the, uh, the challenge to us is Satan would like to believe that something is being withheld from us. He would like us to believe that we're being, uh, underprivileged. And that God is withholding things from us, just like He managed to trick Eve. Um, so let's be aware of that. you know for for us here, one of the things that comes to mind as we think about purity in all levels, you know I think of the uh, subject of purity in uh, in courtship, for example, you know, the temptation could be for couples to believe that you know, why a hands-off courtship? That's too high a standard, you know. I mean, the devil would like to make us believe that uh, there's something missing. If you can't just touch a little, if you can't just, you're, you're missing something. But I'd like to challenge us to reconsider that if we're tempted to believe that. Because God, on all levels, the way of life is a way of purity. And, uh, you know, the devil would like to break down our... our uh, our concept of purity on all levels. In your music, I'd like to encourage you to uh, to consider your music. You know, does your music honor God? Is it pure? Does it inspire holiness, or does it inspire a fleshly response? you ever put music in that makes you drive aggressive? You know, different people are affected different ways. But I will challenge you, if you put music in your player that makes you drive aggressive, I'm going to suggest you get rid of the music. Because there is, it's, it's, and that's not the only way to test music. But uh, music can have an effect in that way. Purity in reading materials, we already talked about that a little, you know, whether it's books or whether it's, uh, you know, via electronic means, the way of life is purity. Let's move on. We talked about passions just a little bit. Let's talk about possessions a little. Again, that's, you know, we live in a land of plenty. We live in a land of everything and we live in a land of uh, of advertisements, and, uh, we live in a land that, uh, endeavors to, uh, convince you that you need everything they have to offer. And that's, uh, that's where we live. But we don't have to be swallowed up by it. We can choose what we, uh, buy and what we don't buy. And, uh, again, you know, let's think about it. You know, do we find ourselves feeling like we're being deprived because our house isn't as nice as a neighbor's house or some friends of ours, or our car isn't as late a model or as uh, highly esteemed a model as our friends, one of my friends has, or that kind of a thing? You know, Satan wants to. he wants to tr- make us believe that we're being deprived. That something good is being withheld from us. You know, everything tangible in this world is all, uh, when I say tangible, you know, it's all going to go down in the fire in the end. And uh, it's going to have no value in eternity. You know, it really doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, it's, what it sounded like. It doesn't matter what kind of engine it had. It doesn't matter what, what, what its wheels were. It just doesn't matter. In the end, they're all going to melt. And I, uh, I think we need to take that seriously because Satan does try to, uh, he tries to get us caught up in the things of this world, in the tangible, in the... In the new thing, in the latest, in the greatest, in the things that are, uh, you know, that will, you know, bring out the oohs and the ahs, you know. That's where he'd like to take us, but we don't need to let him take us there. We don't need to let him take us there. We can, uh, we can take a different path. And of course, we have position which, uh, you know, you have to determine in your heart where you find yourself there. But Satan does endeavor to uh, get us to places where we, you know, we want to be someone great. We want to be noticed. We want to be recognized. We want to, uh, you know, we want to go down in history. And there's a sense in which uh, being everything for God that we can be is okay in the Sense of uh, going down in history in that way, if we made a difference for the kingdom of God. But Satan has his uh, his goals, his agendas for mankind, and his his uh, his means. As we said earlier, obviously is to convince us that uh, to deceive us into thinking that his way is right. It's the only way he'll get us to follow him. And so it does uh it does bear upon our hearts to be diligent to be vigilant as the scripture says be vigilant for your adversary the devil goeth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and then another scripture talks about him as an angel of light and uh you know he when he doesn't get us from one tactic he tries another and uh yeah you know, uh, he won't let us alone we can be assured of that but we also have the promise that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world we don't need to fear the devil but i do think we do well to be sober i think we do well to consider our ways from time to time and to uh to realize that uh you know he does have a plan and if he would have his way he you know obviously he'd get us all but uh we have confidence in our lord confidence in christ and confidence in his blood and confidence in uh in uh his grace that you know we don't need to live in fear but uh, we do well to be sober you know having been delivered from death And translate it into life. You know as believers. Let's continue to. Move forward in life. And not regress back into death. You know. Jesus said I am the way the the truth and the life. And we can live in that reality, not only to get to, you know, to become one of his, but also to continue as one of his. All right. I think we'll conclude with that. Maybe we could just again bow our heads, close our eyes, pray. Father, we are grateful again this day as we have seen again the worst and the best state of man. And we do... We do just again thank you, Father, that the scripture is so full of, of truth and insight into our place in Christ and our place in, uh, in living and overcoming life. Father, we are grateful. We are grateful that uh, you have taken us from the gutter of sin and seated us in a palace, in a throne. And it's all because and through Christ. Lord, thank you. Thank you for making that way possible for us. And now, Father, I do pray if there is anyone here who is still seated in the gutter, that today their eyes would see Jesus and they would choose to cast their lot with him once and for all. Father, we do pray as we consider the world around us and how Satan has deceived and continues to deceive so many, believing there's fulfillment in sin, believing there's uh, enjoyment and pleasure, and yet it's only short-lived. Father, we pray that the message of the gospel could yet reach many more in this day in this time in this generation so father we just do again commit these few words to you may you may you encourage and bless each heart here today father we ask in in the worthy name of jesus amen <clears throat>